0: Hello everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Rally. I am Jordan Hall and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. We are getting closer and closer to Flyers training camp coming up here in September. Rookie camp will kick things off around mid-month and then the big camp will follow. Plenty of competition to talk about, so we figured we would get right into our top training camp storylines, our best position battles that we're going to keep an eye on. And then we're also going to talk about the Flyers Hall of Fame. Six finalists for uh, a new induction member uh, this season. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about the past and what's coming up this season. And also a lot to talk about with training camp right around the corner. So let's get into it.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. at Byte.com, that's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: Taryn Hatcher, I will start with you. What training camp position battle is going to catch your eye the most?
2: Ooh, um, I feel like for me it would be along the wings, but like no specific two. Because I think when you look at kind of down the middle, I feel like there's a good foundation that feels like it'll settle in, in a kind of predictable way down the middle for the Flyers, and I would be very surprised if the Flyers' defensive pairs are not what we think they are. There, there's certainly possibility for things to move around, but um, you know, I would be really curious if it wasn't um, Ellis and Provi and uh, line and Sanheim and you know um, Braun and Yandel. <clears throat> So I think along the wings, just in general, is where I'm the most interested. It kind of goes back to when we were talking about our, uh, like, top six battles and we're talking about, you know, where's Joel going to fall? Where is JVR going to land into things? I, I It's not two players for one position per se. Um, but I, I will be really, really interested <clears throat> to see how some of these – Positioning like some of these combinations with the wings players with the wing players pan out because, um, you know, we've seen a lot of like the default combinations with the flyers go back to being the same thing. And when I say default line combinations, I'm mainly talking about Coots G and Jake together. And that, that security blanket is obviously gone now. Um, and I think a lot of people, slide Kim Atkinson right in there and and I think that would be I I would love to see what that looks like and I think that could be great for the Flyers but I just I would be interested to see how certain things come along I actually ran into um Joel Kevin Hayes and Justin Braun as I was going for a power walk yesterday and like Joel looks like he's big I mean he truly does he looks bigger he looks more like an adult in person than I remember him looking like I guess almost two years ago and year, a year and a half ago now. I, I'm very curious to see where he falls into things. But yeah, just along the outsides, I'll be very curious to see how things shake out.
0: Yeah, there really is so much competition in that bottom six, especially on the, on the wings. Uh, that should be super intriguing to watch. Joe, how about you? Uh, what's gonna keep, uh, what's gonna have your eye? Yeah, I'm
3: gonna go off of the beaten path a little bit here. Eh? And I'm gonna do so because of the way the transactions came together. I'm going to look at that fourth line center because they signed Nate Thompson earlier in the free agency period, which to me said, we liked what we had in that guy during the the season that ended with the bubble playoffs and we want him to come back. And then down the line, when we thought they were done, all of a sudden they signed Derek Broussard, who has way more of a pedigree in this league than Nate Thompson does. Mm -hmm. And, um, So I'm interested to see how that plays out because it kind of seems like they signed Nate Thompson and said, okay, he's going to be our fourth line center. And then it was like, Oh, wait a minute. No, nobody signed Derek Broussard. I want him. Yeah. So now what, you know, and I think both those guys will be super motivated. We know Broussard has the history with the lane Vigneault. So, you know, that that'll be interesting to me. I personally think it, it needs to be Broussard to me. It's a no brainer. But again, Nate Thompson was the first guy they signed. Um, of those two guys, he's the first that they signed. And clearly, the, the team has a history with him, uh, a very recent history with him, whereas Broussard's is a little bit removed in a few teams down the line with Elaine yo. So um, that intrigues me. And, you know, I, I will say the, the other thing I'm looking forward to is I think we're going to get a, a super motivated Cam York because I believe there was probably a point during this offseason where he thought he was going to be in the starting lineup and he was going to make the opening day roster. And I'm not saying that's definitely not going to happen, but we've talked about it on this podcast and other podcasts and Taryn just briefly alluded to it there. It seems like the six defensemen are almost set in stone and it would take a he-man like effort, not to date myself, but for York to crack into that top six And I just don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to make the team as an extra defenseman because a guy of his age, you want him to play. And he's not if he's not going to play here. I think he needs to play with the Phantoms. So I think you're going to get a super motivated slash maybe a little bit angry Cam York. So I'm kind of interested to see what that looks like during training camp as well. Go ahead. Jordan,
2: once you do yours, I have an honorable mention, and I don't know what yours is. You guys, we, we genuinely, like, don't try to, like, pander and pick different stuff before this, so I, I'm curious to see what yours is, but I have an honorable mention kind of two-player battle that I think will be interesting to watch.
0: No, I you like this. No, let's get into it. So I'm getting I, I, that, that's that, that's called a tease
2: in TV terms. Yeah, <laughs> that's tease. Yeah, you guys want to peek behind the curtain? We, that, that's a tease, folks. <laughs> that's why they yeah. pay me the, the bucks one. in general.
0: <laughs> in general.
2: Go ahead, no, Jordan, I, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, you're all good. I, I love the point about Cam York. I, I found it very interesting uh, at development camp where someone brought up Keith Yandel and he said when, when they signed Keith Yandel, I didn't think, well, dang, there goes my spot. And he, he said it word for word. Um, if, if a defenseman blocks a shot in the wrong way, that's eight or nine games right there that uh, that the team needs to fill. I think Cam York's a smart kid, but I have a feeling that came directly from general manager, Chuck Fletcher to Cam York was, Hey, we're signing Keith Yandle, but be ready. Uh, a block shot means a spot is open. I think that was probably told to Cam York. So yeah, I think he's going to be a kid really pushing hard. He's naturally a confident kid um, that's going to want to prove and open eyes. Uh, Taryn, for me, before you get into your sleeper, I'm going to go along the wings, but I'm going to go specifically Nicholas Albe kubel and Wade Allison. If that might have been your- I knew it. That was going to be my
2: honorable mention. I knew as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, I should have said that. And I knew you were going to pick it because you're smarter than me.
0: No, Sorry, that is not true. but as you were saying wings, I was like, man, she might have mine on the nose, but you did go very general, which is, I, I totally agree with too. Like, I think there's on all the, I just don't the, know where
2: anyone's going to end up. No. Like
0: I really don't. I mean, the Flyers even pur- purposely said multiple times about Derek Broussard that, Hey, you he can play the wing a little bit too. Like they said that when they signed him that he can play wing as well. And then like, I mean, it shows you they they're going to maneuver guys.
2: Same thing with like Lawton. NG, yeah. there's just so many people where you're like, if they really and AV will, if they really don't like what they're looking at, they could essentially like flip this thing like a Rubik's Cube and all of a sudden all the squares look different. So, but no, Wade, Wade Allison and Nico Bay Cubell, I think, is like the head to head. Yes, that I, I'm sure the team would ever acknowledge it. And I have this on no authority whatsoever. But if there was ever like a a spot competition, like we we need we've got two guys for this one spot, I think it's do we keep Nico O'Bey Cubell in this lineup, or will he become our potential healthy scratch kind of fourth liner, and we put Wade in instead and get what he can give to this lineup? I I'm, I totally agree with you on that, Jordan.
3: Yeah, and I mean, you know what's, what's interesting about that, Jordan, that I would add you couldn't have ended the season with those two particular players mm-hmm. on opposite ends of the spectrum than you did. Yeah. Um, Wade Allison, it was sky high, high energy every night, sort of a kid who came in made an impact. And every time you heard the guy talk, you couldn't help, but be like, Oh, I love this guy. This is exactly the breath of fresh air. This team needs. Yeah. Meanwhile, you had Nicholas ove Kubell taking penalties, that were leading to devastating goals in games that the flyers needed to win. So you had one guy on the top of the spectrum and the other guy on the bottom. And now they're good, that they're kind of going to meet in a, you know, not a literal sense, but a head, head to head in camp. Yeah. And that is super intriguing. It's a, it's a super intriguing thing. And I, I think Obey Q has some work to do in training camp here to kind of um, erase some of the, 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 the mental scarring he might have done to this coaching staff during the latter portion of last season.
0: Yeah. I think that truly will be the, the truest competition in camp in terms of head to head. I would have maybe said something different if the Flyers didn't sign Derek Broussard. I maybe would have thought it would have been Morgan Frost pushing a Nate Thompson or someone to be a bottom six center. But once they got Derek Broussard, um, that bumped someone out. And now it's going to really come down. One of the, the fourth or third line wing spots will come down to Wade Allison, Nicholas Alba Kubel. Um, I think Wade Allison made Nicholas Alba Kubel's seat much hotter last season when he came up for that audition, played four, 14 games, stayed stuck. He opened eyes. He scored goals. Um, he did everything uh, I think the, the fan base and organization wanted to see. So that to me is the truest battle. But Taryn, uh, please continue with that too.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say the thing that will interest me though, and I know, I think we talked about this with Joel, or maybe I was just talking to my friends about like um, players that come out of college in general. Uh, It will be interesting to see how Wade fare. like here, I totally agree with what both of you said in terms of the trajectory of Wade and Nick were like diagonals going in the opposite direction. Um, And Wade's stock was really high for a brief period of time and Nico Bay Bell stock kind of would go back and forth and then kind of had a precipitous decline towards the end of the season. The interesting thing will be when it is night in and night out, and it's a longer season than some of these guys are used to playing, because even last year was more comparable to like a college season than it was a true NHL season. That's when you find, or at least from what I've been told, because you know, I I don't like to speak as if I am a hockey player, but I do talk to quite a few of them Um, from what I've been told from the guys who come out of college is that even if you're, you leave after four years and you leave a grown man for quite a few people, there is that learning curve physically of like, you know, the certain month hits when normally your postseason would begin and you get to take a mental break. And all of a sudden, that's your most important part of your NHL regular season as you push towards the playoff. And that can be tough for guys. And I think Wade has a tremendous head on his shoulders from what I've heard from everyone and, and talking to him. Um, but I will be interested to see, we got to see Wade burn bright for a short period of time. The question will be, how does he hold up over a long period of time? And if he, you know, we haven't had to see him really negotiate like difficult down games and, he doesn't seem like the type that gets high on the highs or low on the lows, um, but a lot of guys can see like that type. And then last year they did, so I, I think that's the TBD, and that's part of the appeal of keeping Nick O'Bay around. Is like, yes, he does do weird stuff sometimes, <laughs> but um, you know, Nick's used to being a-, a grinder type of player now, and he's become accustomed to being up and down and in and out. And um, I'm sure at some point there, even if Wade really tremendously outplays Nick and earns a spot, I, I would venture so far as to say there may be a night when you need a guy who maybe has more experience with like just getting through a game to to maybe get in there that's not really the way I wanted to word that I think there may be a time where you need him to almost be like a relief pitcher within the course of the season is essentially the the best way I can put it um because I mean and Nick could come in and be a totally different guy than he was last year because let's face it like a lot of guys were mentally physically not what we were used to seeing and Nick has a little bit more of a habitual history of doing some of those things. So it's not like it was totally off for him, but you, you'd hope if he really wants to be a consistent NHL level player that he cleaned it up this off season. So we'll see, but I, I do think that there's necessity for both of them, but I think Wade's Wade's stock seems like it's coming in higher than Nick's does.
0: Yeah. I feel like he's going into camp with an inside track, at a role, not to say Nicholas Albe Kubel isn't, but I also think we shouldn't forget Albe Kubel and, and count him out. Uh, he does have the longer, uh, he does have the longer track record of doing it at the pro level compared to Wade Allison. Uh, he's shown the Flyers more in a larger sample size. He was really good in 2019-20, and he did it in a pretty nice sample size. And it's just a matter of can he do it consistently. But he does the things the Flyers like in terms of playing north-south four check he was one of their best four checkers in 2019-20 the year they had a really good season and he did it even in the round robin he did it in the playoffs so it's just a matter of doing it consistently staying out of the box and um and showing he can help on a night-to-night basis
2: i don't want to um like sell the house before it's finished here but i also i've been talking to zach hill the wonderful um public relations guy from the flyers uh from last week when our Our usual go-to guy Joe is on vacation, a much-earned vacation. And Zach wanted, I wanted to talk to Wade last week, and then Joel signed, and we got Joel instead. It's looking like I may talk to Wade tomorrow. So while we're talking about him, we may have a one-on-one that we could either either look for it on the website or we could slip in this podcast at some point. But if you want an idea of where Wade's mind is at. I, I will pick his brain tomorrow for everyone. So submit your questions. Do my job for me if you'd like.
0: <laughs> yes. Tweet at Taryn Hatcher. Get the questions in. Uh, that's going to be awesome. We can't uh, wait. Well, just for like, that. just like tweet
2: me something nice. Just say something nice.
0: Yeah, or something nice. Do Ask her how the people do that on walks. Twitter. Do people no, do that on don't. Twitter? No, they don't. That's
2: why I'm asking them to do it now. No, <laughs> yeah. they never do. They never do. Joe, how did this broad get her job? No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the Philly accent. Yes, South
0: Philly.
2: South I'm going to do a full Flyers pregame live and just, like.
3: You should. I'd watch. Mayor of Easttown pregame yeah. live. Yeah.
2: You just don't even know. You don't even know. Somebody's going to get mad at me, but I'm like, that's. I'm from here. My parents talk like that. Like It's the rite of
3: passage. When you're from here, you're allowed to do the accent.
2: Yeah. 100%. When I work with Ben Davis, my, mine gets thicker on Philly stuff. Ben <laughs> yeah. Davis makes my accent. Like I've become from Delco like that.
3: And Ben acts. has a great sampling of all the different accents from this area.
0: Yeah. And is the man. And yeah, he is true Delco. Uh, he's the best yeah. with that. Um, yeah. Taryn and Joe, I will ask you uh, any, anything that intrigues you on defense. I'll start with Joe defensively. Uh, any competitions there? Obviously, I, I really do think we know the six going into opening night, but I feel like we could see them move a little bit.
3: Well, I mentioned, I, I just mentioned earlier, what, what kind of, uh, drive Cam York will come into camp yeah. with. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see what Keith Yandel looks like um, if he's playing what we think, third pair, even strength, but one of the top quarterback and one of the top two power play units um, with this mix of, of forwards and so forth. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what that looks like. Um, I'm interested to see his skating how that, how all this looks, and and you know, I I want to see what I want to see what Rasmus in is, and and I don't mean what he is like looking at his video with Buffalo. I want to see what he is playing with Travis Sanheim, and you know we've talked about this several times. Sandheim needs to to take ownership of that spot. So that's another thing I, I really really want to see. And it needs to start in training camp. He needs to show up as a veteran and not a young guy and take ownership of that spot on the second pair.
0: Yeah. A ton of competition there. I really feel like we could see Justin Braun and Rasmus Rissalanan maybe fluctuate from the second and third, maybe even Travis Sanheim. Taryn, what do you think?
2: Um, I don't love Justin Braun and Travis Sanheim. I will not lie.
0: Yeah. I don't know why. I just Taren, don't.
2: I, I I would like, it's less of a competition. I would like to see how Rasmus Ristolainen and, and Travis Anheim play next to each other. If that is in fact the pair, I mean, who knows what they're going to do, um, but it seems like that's how it would fit. I, I'm curious to see how that would work out. Um, and I'm also interested to see how Travis approaches almost his style of play this season because his plus minus really took a blow quite often last year. Um, And I remember when Scott Gordon was up and he was the interim coach and we were talking about the development of Travis that year, 2018, 2019. And he was, you know, he was kind of the one day I was just asking him about a bunch of the guys that he had had um, down in Lehigh. And he was saying, you know, it's so interesting because with Travis, he always wanted to go. He always wanted to pinch. He always wanted to get involved in the offense. and, And because he could at juniors and we kind of had to pull him back from that And I think it was something he took a lot of pride in doing, but we kind of had to say to him, like, you have to figure out how to put restraints on that in order to play at the NHL level. And once you gauge, once you have that gauge, once you have that internal compass for when to go, when not to go, and what that looks like, um, then you can get involved as much as you'd like. Uh, And I do think with how athletic and how well both Phil and Travis normally skated that allowed him to do so at certain times. And then when they didn't play well, both of them, I thought looked a little bit lost in conjunction to each other, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how Rasmus and Travis gel and what parts of Travis's game that brings out. And like Joe said, I don't think any of us really even know like what, Player Rasmus or Salinen will be not on Buffalo because Buffalo has such an impact on how an individual player looks. Look at Jeff Skinner. Like, so there's lots of people you could talk about that had the Buffalo impact. But, um, I think with the right pairing, Travis could contribute so, so much and he has before, um, So I'm curious to see how that, but it's not, it's not really a battle. It's just, I want to see that. And I think that's why I'm not such a fan of Justin Braun, maybe playing alongside Travis. I I don't know. It just, I just, I would like to see, I would like to see Travis next to like another threat and then see what that does to other teams
0: really. No, I like that. And I, I I think it really will be really intriguing who is playing with who maybe not who's going to be in the lineup because I think we have a good idea, but who's playing with who. And before we shift gears to Flyers Hall of Fame, I will say, I think Rasmus Tristelainen, while it seems like he's being debated a lot among Flyers fans, I have a feeling old school Flyers fans are really going to like this guy. And I think he's here just in time. Just in time in the sense that fans are going to be back. For what, we, for what we know right now, fans will be back in full force. And here's a guy that plays with a nastiness. He likes to be annoying. And I think fans are going to embrace that. I feel like we didn't maybe see that as much last season something we could see this year. Um, And when we asked Sean Couturier about Rasmus Ristelainen, he even smiled and said, yeah, he was definitely a guy you had to keep your head up while you're on the ice. I have a feeling in in the Flyers locker room, they were probably talking a lot about Ristelainen being an annoying player to play against last year. Um, How do
2: you think Travis, how do you, I'm curious from both of you or or Jordan, or if we want to move on, but what do you guys see that pair looking like, Jordan?
0: The Sandheim Ristelainen? Yeah. Yeah, I I think those are the two guys the Flyers envision being together on the second pair, but I don't think they're going to hesitate to switch it up. Um, It is an interesting dynamic because you have an offensive minded guy that's a real fluid skater that needs to prove himself more probably in the defensive zone. And then you have Arista Mm -hmm. Linen who's like, yeah, he wants to be a pain in the butt and, you know, is kind of a polarizing figure because we really don't know who he is yet. Is he the guy in Buffalo? So I will be fascinated to watch it, but I think that's the, the pair they, they're envisioning. Uh, Joe, what, did, what about you?
3: Yeah, I, I think, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to beat a dead horse, but Sandheim, I, I think they, they are expecting, and given the contract they gave them, they, they're they expecting Sandheim to take a step up here this season over previous seasons. And I think all the talk we're doing about how Sandheim fits with Ristalainen is based on what we've seen, on, from Sandheim up to this point. And I think that needs to be better. And, you know, if it's not, then I think you could see some of that movement that you talked about. Um, because, you know, you, you can't have your 2nd of defensemen putting up a minus six. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to single out just one game, because there were many games where those guys, he and Phil Myers struggled last year. That just that one at the garden sticks out. There's no way it doesn't stick out. They were both minus six on the night. But Sandheim needs to take a step here. And I think that's going to, that is going to make or break that second pair. And I, I don't I don't think Ristolainen is the make or break on the second pair. I think it's all about Sandheim and taking that next step into a a guy who's in the middle of his career as opposed to the beginning of it. And, um, you know, I'm interested to see that as well.
0: Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs.
3: This is it, we've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next the
1: Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day
2: You need Indeed.
0: Well, let's get into the Flyers Hall of Fame chatter. It was very cool. On Tuesday, the team announced the six finalists for what will be a new inducted member this season into the Flyers Hall of Fame. We haven't seen it since 2016 when Jimmy Watson went in. Uh, here are the six real quick. Simone Gagne, Paul Holmgren, Bob Kelly, Lou Nolan, Mark Recchi, and Rick Tokic our very own Taryn Hatcher is on the voting committee, which is awesome. That has to be a real honor. So Taryn, I'll start with you. Just how cool is that for you to be on the voting committee? And these are six people with impressive resumes.
2: Yeah, they they like send you a ballot and they ask you like, you know, first choice, second choice, so on and <laughs> so forth. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, who who am I to <laughs> sit here and say where Paul Holmgren or Simone Gagné belongs on this list? Like. I, and, you know, lifelong Flyers fan, and, you know, very much wanted to be involved in covering this team, like, since I was an intern at Comcast Sportsnet, like, so incredibly flattered, but I was also just like, dude, how am I even supposed to do this, and then, uh, you know, it's, it's very cool, but it's interesting, because, like, you talk about Mark Reckie, and then, for me, it's always, like, Mark Reckie, the guy who, like, breaks 100 points in a season more than, like, anyone else in the history of the franchise, right? And, and Simone Gagne, for me, will forever be, um, you know, he'll forever be attached to that memory of the uh, the win over Boston in 2010 in the playoffs. Like, that goal will always be, that call of that Simone Gagne goal will for, be burnt into my memory for the rest of my life um, and I have like I have such a wonderful relationship with Lou No. like it's just it's so interesting because and Joe knows this Rick Tocket is my favorite former flyer to interview I think he's most people's favorite former. like he is just everything he embodies like the ideal flyer I think for a lot of people um, so yeah I don't mean to like just you know screw the whole segment that as we're trying to get into like the legacy of each of these players, but it's very cool. It's also just like, like, what am I even supposed to do here? (laughs) So, um, you know, it's, um, I can't, I also just a forewarning to everybody here, like, I'm not really supposed to talk about like who I voted for or whatever. So I can't really give like partial insight. I can only speak from my heart on this, uh, particular topic. So,
0: no, well, Taryn, I did you- Don't yell
2: at me because I didn't ask to yeah. be part of the committee. They sent me the email and it's like, no pressure, but here you go. So- yeah.
0: <laughs> No, that's why I tried to tee you up without actually asking, hey, Taryn, tell us. Um, so yeah, no. I'm not supposed to talk about it. No. It's just like,
2: also, I'm sort of like, oh my God.
0: Just... Yeah, no, as oh. you should. awesome. <laughs> and and I, I know you hold all six in high regard, 100%. Joe is like my Flyers' go-to historian. I swear, like anything, I anytime I need some history or some facts on the organization's past, like Joe is my go-to guy. I knew he grew up with so many of these guys in terms of like watching them when he was younger. Um, Joe, I know Rick Tockett you're close with. I know you've seen a lot of Simone Gagné. Uh, just what do you think of these finalists?
3: Well, I'll start with Tockett. And I'll say, um, while the other guy, the other guys, a lot of them are stat-driven, I think Rick Tockett's legacy is very intangible in in this town. Um, If you were to say to me, what is the portrait of a flyer, what it means to be a flyer? I see Rick Tockett with a mullet running (laughs) in
2: training
3: camp. The video we've used so many times on our shows of Rick Tockett training with the flyers in training camp from the 80s. Um, That guy, his face all banged up and just, he was, that guy was a, a guy that was willing to go out and do whatever the team needed. If that was score a goal, if that was fight somebody, if that was cause a ruckus, it if, if didn't matter what it was, he was the guy to go to. And I always remember when I first learned about hockey, I learned, I started by having my dad tell me that Rick Tockett was awesome. And then I later, of course, got to work with Rick Tockett and I know him very well. And, um, So to to me, he's a no brainer and he's clearly a fan favorite in Philadelphia. We talked to him last year and he said, one of his regrets is that one of the cups that he won was not with the Flyers. I mean, think about that. He's won cups as a player and a coach with Pittsburgh. And he said that he would trade one of those cups with Pittsburgh to have won one with the Flyers and seeing what that was like here. So, I mean, that's a Hall of Fame statement right there, to me.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, as far as the other guys go, it it seems it's it's puzzling to me. I would say Tocket, Reki, and Gagne should already be in the Flyers Hall of Fame. Um, Mark Reki, Taryn alluded to it. He has the best point season in Flyers history: 123 points for a team that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Then he was here when the Eric Lindros era started. And when I say the Lindros era, I, I mean pre-Legion of Doom. He was on the Crazy Aches line with Recky, Lindros, and Brent Feddeck. Uh, a blast from the past was the Crazy Eights yeah. line. So, uh, And then, of course, he came back and had another great season yeah. in the 99-2000 year. Of course, that was the season that they won the five-overtime game in the series against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And that that was a team there. Of course, that season ended with Eric Lindros' last game as a Flyer when he got hit by Scott Stevens. But I've talked over the years to so many guys that were part of that team. Rick, I should mention, Rick Tockett also was on his second stint as a Flyer for that team. And to a man, those guys all thought they were winning the Stanley Cup that year. Yeah. Um, I believe there's probably more untold stories about that, that year with this Flyers team than maybe any team in history. So uh, those, and Simone Gagne, also part of that team. Yeah. And, um, you know, so to me, those two guys are no brainer. And then Simone Gagne, Taryn alluded to 2010. And to me, it's not just about that goal. It's about that series against Boston totally changed when Simone Gagne came back from injury that became a different Flyers team um, with him on the ice. And, of course, he scores um, one of the biggest goals in Flyers history. Um, and he is more than one of those. Um, he forced game seven against Tampa in 2004 uh, in, in one of the better moments in, uh, well, it was it's Wells Fargo Center now. But at that point, I believe it was Wachovia Center when he scored that goal against Tampa. So, I mean – he is back-to-back 40-goal seasons, including a 47-goal season, you know, his career high. And, you know, he just a dynamic offensive player and a player that was on the Flyers before he was 20 years old. And there's not that many guys you can say that about. So, to me, those three all stand out as guys who it's long overdue um, that they end up on – their names end up on a banner up there. And I should mention, too – Mark Recchi is a hockey hall of famer. Yes. So I figured, I think it would only be right for him to be in the flyers hall of fame as well. So, um, I mean, I, I, know he had so much success with other teams. I mean, it seemed like the second he ended up on a roster, that team automatically won a Stanley cup, Yeah, Pittsburgh, Boston, Carolina. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. And of course now he's in assistant with the New Jersey devils and was kind enough to join us on flyers pregame live last year and take shots at Jonesy. Also, a Hall of Fame worthy thing, yeah. Um, in in Mark on Mark Recky's resume, I
2: have, I have two things I want to follow up real quick on. First, I said that uh, Recky had more. So Bobby Clark had three 100 plus point seasons as a Flyer. Recky had two. His third was with Pittsburgh. I just want to correct myself before somebody gets mad. And second, Joe, you are remiss that when you talked about Rick Tockett you did not mention part of your affinity for Rick Tockett is the giant spread of food that he would bring in when he worked on Flyers pre and post game live. Because every time we talk about how much we love Rick Tockett and and Joe (laughs) and I do talk about our appreciation of Rick quite often because he's just the best guy to interview. He's so down to earth. He genuinely loves, you talk about the intangibles. He loves Philly. He loves the Jersey Shore. Every time we're on, yeah, how's the weather down at the shore? I'm going to head back as soon as the season. Like, he is. People talk about like um, Jason Kelsey now and like going to the OD and stuff like that. I feel like Rick was one of the OG. Like, I am going to ingrain myself in the culture here, which people might say that I'm overlooking lots of culture here, and that would be fair but like of, amongst Flyers fans, especially where it's like, yeah, we're in the city and we're at the games and we're cheering hard and we're going to this bar, we're doing this and whatever. And in the summer you can catch me down in sea isle and I'll be on the beach. Like that's part of Rick. And he would show up and do pregame live before I was there. But Joe always talks about the giant spread and like always got soup or something, right? Joe? Oh yeah. Like and him,
3: him and Michael and Al would have, uh, they, I forget what soup it was, but it was always about soup. And there was this uh, dinner spread. He would have delivered there as far as the eye could see. And he would show up when he first got there with boxes of Dunkin' Donuts for everybody to start the day and then the dinner. So, I mean. So, uh, just if, so this- if
2: Joe was voting, Rick Tockett would be number one on that ballot.
3: <laughs>
2: and let's not
3: forget last year when he was coaching Arizona. We had him on as a mystery guest and he uh, did the interview in his car as he was had just left taking his COVID test in yeah. Arizona, at the daily COVID yeah. test. So, I mean. The, uh, the guy would just do anything, and and you know, it's almost he's one of those guys where you mention Philadelphia, and you know, he lights,
2: uh, up. He it's, lights almost,
3: up. it's almost like a father's like little daughter asking yeah. for you know a piece of candy or to buy them anything. It's
2: yeah, you no, know, he he, he, he just he adores anything. Philadelphia, like he yeah. really does adore the city. It's very fun. He like, and I, I I'm sure he's talked about it. There's an article about it. I think you can look it up about how he talks about how he was raised and how much it prepared him for living here and how at home he felt here. But you can tell if if someone didn't tell you that Rick Tockett was not from like this area, this region of the country, um, you would think that he was like, you'd think that he grew up and he like, you know, I would say that he went to like Malvern, but I don't think he would. I think he would have went to, to like a, like a public school in the area and, you know, paid his dues and had like, cause he just, He has a ton of respect for people and he gets a ton of respect back here. And it's just part of who he is. And this has like, again, I'm not, I'm just talking about how much I enjoy Rick. This also does not reflect upon how I am voting, but I cannot say enough good things about Rick talking as a human being. So for what it's worth.
3: And, and I mean, in his coaching, even his coaching after he worked with us on pre and post game live, when he was an assistant with Pittsburgh and then the head coach with Arizona, anytime I would text him and ask, Hey, can we do a one-on-one with you for our pregame show? It was always he. Okay. I'll do it at this time. Meet meet him outside the locker room. Always there. Great answers, great insight. And just, just an awesome, awesome guy. And Taryn, I one follow-up point to your Mark Recchi point. He had the 200 point seasons, the third hundred point season with Pittsburgh. But then, in his second tenure with the Flyer he, Flyers, he comes back and has a, a ninety one point season on in his second stint with the Flyers. Just just an unbelievable player. And it's like it's his just, goals
2: created stats too are just like wild. They are wild. He's he's so responsible for so many points. Yeah. It's wild.
0: Incredible. Absolutely insane. Yeah, and I'll I'll never get um, tired of going to Mark Recchi's uh, hockey reference page. Like you have to really scroll it's that impressive and it's you're just your mind is blown seeing what i just had it
2: up because i was double checking because i knew he was with pittsburgh for the one yeah um oh no i just clicked on by accident um but it's like his first hundred his okay so his first hundred point season he's 22 years old 113 points at 22 um and his, let me see, his 91-point season, he was 31. It's just like he, and and I feel like not to disrespect Mark Reckie because you, you just can't, but being a 31-year-old a player in 1999, 2000 is not like being a 31-year-old now. Like their body took so much more abuse with so much less sports science and so much less of like all of the kind of, care and preciousness that, you know, all the extra additives that get added into, it's not just the sport anymore. It's, it's the sports science that goes with it. Yeah. And he was still putting up 91 points at, at 31. I, and I, he, the fact that he put up a hundred, I got to double check this because every time I say it, I'm like, someone's going to yell at me because it's wrong. 22 years old, 1990, 1991 was his 113 point season, 73 assists that year.
0: Yeah, and, and
3: and when you, you when you keep going down the, the, that hockey reference page you'll notice he played for Pittsburgh four different times. Yeah. Four different times. Middle this of the season trades and then he comes okay. back. Um and then after all that he played for the Flyers twice. I mentioned Pittsburgh four four different stints with Pittsburgh, Matry all for a number of years. And then at the end of his career, he goes to Boston for three years. He's on the Boston team that, against the um, the Flyers that blew the 3-0 lead, as we talked about with the Gagne goal. And then the next season, he wins a Stanley Cup with Boston. Yeah. And that's his last year. I mean, the yeah. guy was just an, a, a winner. Winning followed Mark Reckie his entire career. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the Flyers were one of the teams that had him that didn't win a Stanley Cup, yeah. which is um, – a shorter list
0: than the teams that Adam had him that won one. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously he won three Stanley cups, all with three different teams. Uh, Rick Tocic three time champion, uh, all with Pittsburgh, two as an assistant, uh, one as a player. And to hit on the other three real quick, uh, Lou Nolan's story is remarkable. He was a day one employee. He's been with the organization since it was birthed. It's just remarkable what he has done. He is an icon. Uh, Paul Holmgren. I, I'm still amazed by his resume. He's obviously served the organization probably in every role you can think of. And to me, when you when you are in the high-pressure roles that he was in, to be able to stay in one organization, stay there for that many years, 40-plus years he's been in the organization, uh, that means you're doing something right. And like, he
2: only played – like, I, I always – it always astounds me because Paul's impact – and I don't want to gloss over Lou, but I, I just – when it comes to, to Paul with this, Paul's impact on the organization has spanned – so many decades and so many positions, like you were saying, and he only played for nine years, which is a long time to play, but it feels like he must've played for like 17 years. And then, and it wasn't, he played for nine years and, or his entire, you know, professional career was nine years. And then just kind of wherever the organization needed him, he was like, I want to be there. And he was, and it's, I think why, when you talk to like Flyers alumni who are generations younger than him, they talk about Paul and there's almost like, I don't want to say a father-like respect there, but there's a different level of respect for like, I I think just like his dedication to the franchise. And that's so, that's such a general term, but it's because his dedication slots in a lot of areas. Um, But yeah, Paul Paul, it's, it's always fascinating to me that, it feels like Paul must have been like a 20 year player and then transitioned into doing what he did and, and he wasn't. He yeah, just wasn't.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
3: and just think with Paul as far as Holmgren goes, how many guys in the history of sports have played, coached, and been the GM all for a franchise?
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but I have to think that it's a pretty short list.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you when you hear Paul, when you think of flyers, you think of Paul Holmgren. Uh, it's impressive. And then Bob Kelly, the other, um, I actually you know, never- Jordan, when, when I
3: saw Bob Kelly come out on this list, I'm like, wait a minute, Bob Kelly's not in the
2: Flyers Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah. Already? Right.
2: Isn't that wild? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Two-time champion. Uh, he's still serving the team within the community. Uh, just a great guy. Uh, and Bob you'd be hard
3: pressed to come to a Flyers game. Now nobody's been to a game and uh, hardly anybody's been to a game in a couple of years now, but You'd be hard-pressed to come to a Flyers game and not see Bob Kelly roaming around the building. He's always around. He's always doing um, ambassador-type things for this organization and charitable things, Yeah. And in addition to being a two-time Stanley Cup winner.
2: Almost every game that I – because he used to stand right where I would stand when I did sideline hits, and I would always kind of just chat with him here and there when I could in commercial breaks when I didn't have a hit or something. And I think – I want to say almost every single game where I would talk to him about like, yeah, like, what have you been doing? What are you up to today? He would always come from well, we have this group in the building tonight, which was a charitable cause, you know, whether it's you know for military appreciation night or it's um, you know when it's like autism awareness night and they they bring the kids in and they put like them up in Clojure's box or whatever. Bob is the guy, like Bob. And some of these young kids, like some of these are little, little kids who don't know who he is and they just think he's this nice man. Um, and they don't realize, like, go back and watch like the bully videos that are on YouTube and stuff. But, um, but Bob, Bob, almost every single game, it seems like is the welcome wagon, the host, the, the flyers representative for these charitable causes. And he loves it. Like he Loves it, and I'm with you, Joe. When I saw him on the on the list of like nominees or the finalists, I was so confused. I'm like, how is Bob not already in it? But
3: yeah, and I, I would say the same goes for Lou Nolan. I, I didn't real. I mean, yeah. Lou Nolan was a surprise that he wasn't there. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been hearing Pico Power play since I was a little kid. Coming the game, Lou doesn't
2: miss a day. Too that's the thing. Like yeah. Lou, Lou had to miss. Lou got real sick. 2019, 2020, at some point, like, or he just wasn't feeling, he couldn't do it. Like, I think he, he, it was like a voice thing or something. I don't know. I don't want to talk too much on behalf of Lou in this particular situation, because I don't genuinely know enough. But when Lou came back, I was like, Lou, it's so good to see you. It's so weird. It is so weird not to hear your voice. And he was like, I, I hate to miss a day. I, yeah. ha- I hate it. I can't stand it. I, I, I have to be here. <laughs> I
3: yeah. like, Lou. I, I can remember, I can remember as a kid, Going to the games with my dad. And when Lou takes his walk across the ice over to his box and all the fans chant Lou. And I remember as a little kid thinking, What I don't understand why they're booing. I thought they were booing the referees, which also happens. But yeah, but my dad explained to me that they are chanting Lou and they do it every day. when he walks over to his bluest
2: eyes in the game, too. Bob, Bob and Lou both. Not that it's important, but two of the bluest eyes you'll ever will see. The two of them. Bob's. But I wonder when Bob was playing, Bob looks at you and it feels like a White Walker, like from Game of Thrones, it's like looking at your thoughts. It's so intimidating. But yeah, that's off topic, but just something to think about.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm, the first game that I met Bob Kelly was the first game I was doing sideline. Oh. And I remember being like, I'm going to throw up right now. Like, because he, it's just these piercing eyes and I'm like, hi, I'm, I'm Taryn, you know, and you're shaking and he's so nice and, you know, same for all of them, truthfully. Um, but yeah, Bob, Bob and Lou are both, they're cool guys. Like yeah, oh, yeah.
0: Flyers this, sure. this
2: whole group of finalists would be just so fun to like go grab dinner with, yeah. pick their brains, a yep. bunch of good guys.
0: Yeah. I actually had the uh, pleasure. It was, a, it was unfortunate why I was talking to him, but it was, uh, 2016 when Bob Daly passed away and I had just started writing about the team and I had to write his obit for our website. And, um, Tim Panaccio, my former colleague, a longtime Flyers reporter gave me, gave me Bob Kelly's number and said, Hey, call Bob. He will have great stuff, uh, on Bob, on Bob Daly. Um, and, uh, so I called him and yeah, I think my knee was shaking the entire time. Uh, but it was very surreal. And I, you know, I was still younger at that time didn't know the organization's history as much, uh, but I felt in that conversation with Bob about Bob, um, I really learned what, what it meant to be a Flyer during that time, during that period, that era of Flyers hockey. Um, that, was pretty, that was pretty cool for me. So uh, that was the story. That was the first time I, like Taryn, had ever met Bob Kelly. That was pretty cool. So yeah, like Taryn said, uh, this is a pretty special group of finalists. Um, God bless those who are voting. I can only imagine how tough it is. Taryn had to do that. Uh, but a true honor to vote on these six and it wouldn't surprise me if all six maybe get in one day, really wouldn't, uh, six figures with impressive resumes, uh, guys you think of, uh, when you think of the flyers for sure. But Taryn do you, and-
3: uh, do you guys, before we wrap up the two of the guys we talked about were two different numbers for the flyers. Can you get them? No. Well I'll say it's Taken and Reci. They both Oh wore- oh, I was gonna say I
2: couldn't I couldn't remember what their numbers were if you asked me right now, but I know oh, okay. I- yeah.
3: the 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 number eight for Reci is the more well known, but he wore number eleven for a small period. Did Gagne
2: oh, ever okay. change his number anywhere no. he went? It was always no. the same, right?
3: No, and number 12 was his prestigious history with the team because Tim Kerr was number 12 yeah. uh, in the 80s. So. Do you guys want to hear a
2: funny Simone Gagné story that doesn't actually involve Simone Gagné real quick before we wrap up? Yep. So when I was a little kid, right, Flyers were – like, I know people are like, oh, yeah, I'm four for four or whatever. I wouldn't even say my entire life that I was four for four because, like, when I was a little kid, my brother didn't play football, so I kind of got into football, like, towards the end of middle school, high school, whatever. Flyers were number one in our house. And I remember it was – probably no it would have been earlier in Simone Gagné because I would have grown up and wisened up to this but when we were younger and Simone Gagné was with the Flyers my dad the one day goes you know there's a big article that um they've been saying his name wrong all this time it's actually it's Simon Gagne and he told them it was Simone Gagné as a joke and I was like stop and he was like no there was a there's a, a whole newspaper article about it And now the broadcasters won't change it because they they're embarrassed they've been saying Simon Gagne for so long, or Simone Gagne for so long, and it's actually Simon Gagne. And I was like, no way, but I was also a little kid. So it's like, you know, your dad knows everything. And then um, now as an adult who knows um, Jim Jackson very well and uh, who knows really all the broadcasters quite well and knows that it's Simone Gagne. I won't even joke with JJ that my dad said that because he is so on top of pronunciation and he takes it very seriously. Yeah. But There's probably like a, a week of my life where I was like, that's wild. This guy just told everybody his name was Smoke Gagne and it's really Simon Gagne. And I was like, I guess Gagne is not like a great last name. I probably pronounce it Gagne too. And uh, I genuinely thought for probably like seven days of my life that his name was Simon Gagne. <laughs> so maybe, maybe like, I'm just, it just was like when the list came out, it was such a recovered memory of my dad just sitting there. And, and I think my brother at some point knew that he was wrong, but I was the younger one. So my brother was like, no, Taryn, you don't know that. Like, you shouldn't know that. Like, if you want to be a sports reporter, you should know it's Simon Gagne. And I'm like, I, I knew that. I <laughs> of course I knew that. And uh, that is, that
0: it was actually a great joke but, to play on someone.
2: What? <laughs> I, well,
0: I, That's a great joke to play on someone. Like, well done by your dad. That was pretty funny.
2: Well, and it's like, I don't I don't even know if I would didn't. have been old enough to to read a newspaper article. Like I just right. remember being a little, little kid. Yeah. And just being like, that's yeah an unfortunate last name.
0: <laughs> that's why he so, made it. Gagne. <laughs>
2: so that's, that's my not so interesting Simone Gagné story, but no,
0: that's a I good have
2: fond memories of, and it kind of, I think is why that call where um, it's JJ. Right. And it's, and it's like, the Simo yeah. Gagne yeah. at the end of the game yeah. overtime game seven right and uh always makes me laugh extra because in my head it's it's simon gagney <laughs> so, so
0: yes sad. jj called it wrong no
2: <laughs> no don't joke like that he doesn't no
0: no jj yeah but
2: like now it. brad marchand does do that to jack edwards in boston
0: specifically
2: to make him mad so yeah i guess it's not out of the realm of possibility it's just simone did not
0: do that no (laughs) that is great well so many memories about honestly all six Uh, you know uh you definitely cemented a legacy uh in one organization pretty cool always love the history love talking it with you guys so taryn hatcher and joe flores thank you so much as always great talking about the current flyers the past it's been real fun can't wait to chat with you next time as training camp gets closer and a big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast guru. And also a big thank you, as always, to you Flyers fans for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.